This morning, we're going to continue to work through the book of Galatians. After this morning, we only have one more message through this. And uh, as you came in today, you probably were handed a bulletin, but there's actually a, a stack of some sermon outlines. And that little stack is a reminder that when one member of the body is missing, that the work that they did is not being accounted for. And uh, Verda Vaness, who's done that for so long for me, has been moved up north to Marinette. And so that means that there's, a, there's an opportunity here for someone within our church. If you are willing to, on these Sunday mornings, take that sermon outline and put it in the, the bulletin, that would be magnificent. You could just contact the church. It would be an easy way to get involved, maybe even have your children if you're able to do that. So let's pick up where we left off last week. We're in Galatians Galatians chapter 5, and we are going to continue talking about life in the Spirit, life in the Spirit. For so much of this book, we've kind of hit on the same theme that we are saved by faith alone, but today we're learning more about what it looks like to apply this gospel message dependent on the Holy Spirit in our life. Picking up exactly where we left off last week, I want to read the last two verses of Galatians 5 and then the first 10 verses of Galatians 6. It says here in verse 25 of Galatians 5, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught, In any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work and then in his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Would you just join me in in a quick prayer? Father, as we begin this message this morning, it seems that we have a very practical passage to apply. Through this love that you have for us, you sent Christ to die for our sins. He was raised to life, and you've given us the faith and grace to trust him to save us from our sins. And then you have given to us your spirit. And now help us to look, as we look through this passage, of what it looks like to have this Spirit-filled life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine with me that it was your life ambition to be the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. Now, for some of you, that's not much of an imagination. That's exactly what you would like. And you were given two different choices to pursue that dream. The first, this might sound a little miraculous, but the first is you could have access around the clock to LeBron James. And any time you wanted a lesson, he would be available to you. He'd show you how to dribble the ball. He'd show you how to shoot. He would teach you the concepts of offense and defense. At any moment, you could summons him, and he would be right there to teach you the game of basketball. Now, you have a second option. Is that you could have the spirit of LeBron James take up residence in your life. And so... All of the skill that he has in shooting, passing, seeing the court, playing defense, is now yours. Now, it might be your body, but you have the skill and the experience of LeBron working through your body. And when people watch you play basketball and you do the step back three, it's like, you know, that looked just like LeBron James. Well, the reason for that is it was LeBron James, and he was doing it through you. What what option would you choose? Would you choose number one, or would you choose number two? I'm hearing two, and that's exactly right. And so as we consider the Christian life, do you know what we have? Certainly we have the example of Christ, and we can read of that example in the New Testament. But we have something better than just the physical example of Christ. That when we were born again, we have the Spirit of Christ that dwells within us. And what we are seeing through this passage is glimpses of what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Let me set aside that metaphor for a little bit. And on Friday was my day off and and on this particular Friday, I, I kind of had a dream of let's, let's just make this a special outing. And so our family um, went down to Madison. I had purchased some hockey tickets to see Wisconsin play Ohio State. We got there a, a couple of hours early and said, let's just make some memories out of this. And so we, we went down to the Veterans Museum right there on the end of State Street. Then we walked over to the Capitol one of the most beautiful buildings in the whole state of Wisconsin. As we were walking into the capital towards a rotunda, we saw this huge Christmas tree with all these um, homemade ornaments from kids throughout the state. And up on the second floor, there was a choir that was practicing some Christmas carols, and it just had this beautiful echoing throughout the capital. We finished there, and he said, are, are you all hungry? Yeah, let's, I'm hungry. And so we went down, and we actually had a, a, a real burger. We're used to having some fast food stuff. And I said, no, we're going to go all out today, and we're going to get a, a real nice burger there on State Street. And there was more than one boy that says, this is incredible. <laughs> this is incredible. In fact, one of our boys said, well, i got to slow down. I'm almost done with my burger. I need to slow down and enjoy this. 
And then we had a little bit more time before the hockey game. And, and by God's providence, we brought up our map and there was an art museum just 0.3 miles away. We took that in and we just had a magnificent time. And there at the hockey game, we met my brother who's in the Brookfield area and we, we just shared that experience. And, and to top it all off, we finally got to see Wisconsin beat Ohio State. I mean, it was amazing, right? But you know something that I've learned over the years is that not every day is like that. And I want to just savor it. So what I do is I take my phone out and I say, I want to remember this. And so I just took a a picture. I I want to take a quick little video of this choir singing there in the Capitol. I want to take a picture of this day that we went to this hockey game. and, And that wouldn't mean really anything to you, but it's a portrait that in years from now I can go back and I can remember and I can savor those memories. Well, what we're going to do this morning is I think we're going to savor some of these great verses to the last part of Galatians 5 and the first part of Galatians 6. And what I'd like to do is take a few portraits along the way and say, man, as I read these verses, I, I think of this little picture. And so let's capture this. And some of us, including myself, are much more visual than we are and just hearing words. And so if you have your outline, you'll see that there's a few little diagrams or little images there. Kind of going back to this wonderful message that Roman preached to us last week in the, the last part of Galatians 5, let me just do a quick little recap. What does it look like to have a life in the Spirit? Here's a couple of little portraits. Reviewing last week, I think of conflict. And so you see this picture of some boxing gloves. If you really want to have a life in the Spirit, you've got to know that it is not going to go easy. Reviewing with you verse 17 of Galatians 5. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So as we're taking a snapshot of what it looks like to have the Spirit of Christ within you in order to live out this Christian life, one of the portraits we have is that of conflict. There's a conflict between the Spirit of Christ that's within you and the old way of living that you once knew. You know, one of the things that the Lord is trying to work out in my life and the the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Now, I painted probably a pretty favorable picture for you about what Friday looked like. But there's also some other things that were taking place there. The the larger our family has gotten over the years, the more difficult it is for us to to start on time and arrive on time. And so for us to get in the vehicle can be a significant challenge. And you add to that a few boys with diabetes that... We're not supposed to leave without our diabetes bag. That's not unusual for us to get all loaded up and say, you got your bag? Oh, and so then we go back in. So on our way down, we're driving and we're about ready to get to Oshkosh. I think we're low on gas. I think I want to be a blessing to my family. Some of them like shoes, and so we stop at the Nike outlet. I'll be right back. I'm going to get gas, and I'm going to come back and get you. Well, they don't arrive out on the, the step as soon as I pull up there is some waiting that takes place. And then when that waiting is done, then there are a few that announce that they really need to go to the bathroom. And so we drive across that parking lot. 
And then we, we drive down and we go to the first museum, but not everyone is on the same timetable as I am. And we go through the, the rotunda of the Capitol, and not everyone is even on the same level that I am. There are some up here, there are some down there, and, and if we want to go on to the next thing. And so here is my point. As we finished our supper, this wonderful burger joint, um, one said, well, can we get a, a special drink over here? And, and so, of course, we can do that. And, and there I am waiting. And one of my boys, who was very astute, said, Dad, how long do you think you have been waiting today? And I said to him, you know what? There was a time in my life when this would have really frustrated me. But God has been trying to develop this spirit of patience in my life. And as a result of this, I I understand that there's something deeper going on and then me waiting. You see, there used to come a time where pride was manifested in my life where I would say, how dare you make me wait? Don't you know that I'm the most important person in this world? (laughs) But God has really been working on me. So I don't know how long it is, but I know that he's, got, he's going to have me wait more because he's still wanting to work this out. Now, that's conflict. That's conflict within me that's taken years, and i got a long way to go in that area. But that's a picture of the Spirit working it out in our life. Here's a second picture, and it's that of fruit. And, and I think Roman did an exceptional job kind of working through each one of those fruits, and again, by way of review. So I'm not going to do that again, but here's a portrait. If you have this life that is walking in the Spirit, then you are going to have this fruit exhibited in your life in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So is there love, is there joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, that's by way of review. Now, as we enter into the new territory this morning, there's three other portraits that I want to show you. The third one is that of shoes, walking shoes, and that is we are to walk in the Spirit. Look what it says here in verse 25. The person that is, has a life in the Spirit It says here, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. This implies that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, is not way ahead of us or way behind us, but that we are so in tuned to Him that we are walking in step with the Spirit of God. My early mornings, after reading my Bible, I've gotten into a practice of walking our golden retriever, Hank. And uh, my understanding, that five times around the perimeter of our property equals a mile. And so what we do is we walk out, and one thing that Hank will never do is he'll never walk beside me. He is always way ahead of me. And the only time that he is not is when he gets distracted by a rabbit, a squirrel, a mouse, or some new scent that he is not familiar with. And he'll pause, and then I'll actually walk past him. But as soon as he finds out that I walk past him, he bolts ahead of me. Maybe he's thinking he's going to protect me. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there. 
But one thing that Hank doesn't do is he doesn't heal. Now compare that to how we are to be with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. Think of with me of a, of a new bride that is walking beside her husband and she is delighting in every stride as she thinks about this loving relationship that she is enjoying with him. This is what it's supposed to be like for us when we are in the Spirit. There is a complete dependence. There is an abiding. There is a walking, a stride by stride with the Spirit. Well, what does that look like? Well, look what it says here in verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, When we look at verse 26, that shows us a picture of ourselves and our relationships with others. We're not to become conceited. This idea is full of ourselves. We are not to be prideful or boastful. We are not to try to compare ourselves or try to prove ourselves towards others. And so you see this word provoking. Within this room, there's probably two different types of people. The word provoking here is for those ultra-competitive people that look around this room and says, I want to be better than them. And you can apply this to your Christian life as well. Challenging people to a spiritual competition to prove your superiority. I'm more godly than that person in. I'm better at keeping the spiritual disciplines than they are. And you are tempted in your pride to look down upon other people. Now there's a separate, second category in this room. It's not that you're tempted to look down at other people, but you're always seeming to look up at other people. Look what it says there in verse 26. Envying one another. That is that you want something that belongs to others. And your temptations is to look around and say, I will never measure up to the people in this room. And here's the good news. The gospel's got something for both of you. The gospel gives you a proper view of self where we learn I am who I am by the grace of God. So God humbles the driven and competitive people through the book of Galatians for you to understand you could never attain a right relationship with God. It's only by the grace of God. And then as one pastor says, he emboldens the other one that is so lowly and has this inferior view of themselves to know the gospel says, you are loved, you are cherished, you are adopted as a son or a daughter. And then the second thing the gospel does is it informs your view of others. That people don't exist for you to compare yourselves to, but they exist for for you to love and serve. William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, was preparing to to be the keynote speaker at an international conference for the Salvation Army. Unfortunately, he got sick. So he desired to wire his sermon through the telegram. And he wired his sermon, and it was one word. And this would be the sermon that would be spoken at this Salvation Army conference. And here was that word, others. 
others. The Spirit-filled life, the Spirit-led life is not a focus on self, but it is a focus on God and others. C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So there's a first portrait that we're covering this morning on this life in the Spirit. Now let me give you a second portrait that I think we see beginning in chapter 1, chapter 6, verse 1 of Galatians. It says here, Brothers, if anyone is caught in my transgression, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here's the second portrait for this morning. This is what it looks like to have a life in the Spirit. It means to restore another one who is caught in sin. We're going to get very real right now. Let me give you a few different words that will tie into this. The first is the word problem. When you look at verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, up until this point, he's been speaking about a life in the Spirit. And he is saying within the church, there are times when we are not in the Spirit. And when we are not in the Spirit, we are susceptible to sin. So here is the problem. We do not always walk in the Spirit. At times we get caught in transgressions. Would you notice the language there, caught? It's implied here that this person that is caught in a sin does not have a premeditated plan to entertain this sin. Rather, they've gotten out of the Spirit And their just eyes are not on Christ. And along the way, they trip up. James said it this way, For we all stumble in many ways. Here is a man or a woman who's let his guard down and is engaged in sin and is now experiencing the consequences. That's the problem. Let me give you a second word now. And that's the word people. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You, who are spiritual, should restore him. Uh, Just by a show of hands, how many are the spiritual in our room here this morning, right? Exactly what does Paul mean when he identifies this group of people who are spiritual? Is this to mean that there's a, a second class and a first class of Christians? It's those who are have been a Christian for over 10 years. At a certain point, you get some stripes on your shoulder that you are now identified as spiritual. I just remind you of our context here. We've been talking about having a life in the Spirit. We've been talking about walking in step with the Spirit. And so those who are walking in the Spirit, those who are filled with the Spirit, these are the people who are spiritual. And they have been given an assignment here in verse 1. And Do you see what it is? You who are spiritual should restore him. Who's him? The person that has been caught in transgression. What does it mean to restore? This Greek word is used in one place to refer to fishing nets in the New Testament that were torn. 
And they were mended. They were restored. It's like sin has begun to tear a person's life apart. And the spiritual man or woman is to go and help them put that together. But it's also a medical term. Some of you have broken some bones. I remember a year, last year where one of my boys was, was standing on some hay bales and playing football. I mean, why wouldn't you do that, right? And, and something happened where he fell and broke his arm. And you know what needed to be take place? His arm or his wrist needed to be restored. What, what does that mean? It needed to be reset. There had to be a cast. There had to be some screws put into that. The same language here could talk about someone whose, whose shoulder is knocked out. I remember the Badgers had a basketball player named Brad Davison a few years ago. It seemed like every game he would play, his shoulders would, would come out of socket. And they'd pull him off to the sideline and he would... And, and back in, he'd go right back in the game. But it was very painful. And this process of restoring a brother or a sister can be very painful as well. You see, the ones who are walking in the Spirit are not comparing themselves with the fallen one. The ones who are walking in the Spirit are not gossiping about the fallen one. They are engaging in restoring them. This could be a painful process. What does it include? Very likely it includes something like, hey, I couldn't help but notice that you've been caught up in some sin. Can we just talk about this? Now, what, what, that, what, what's taking place there, the Bible calls sin. Let me show you the verse about that. I got good news for you that there is forgiveness available to you, but the second thing you do, need to do is you need to confess that sin to God. And if you've sinned against others, you need to confess that sin to them as well and seek to restore those relationships too. And then here's thirdly, I want to assure you that when you do that, you've been forgiven. And you are, you're on your way to restoration. Now, in what way should we be doing this? Look what it says there in verse 1. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Those who are walking in the Spirit are observing and living out the fruits of the Spirit. And one of those fruits of the Spirit is, is gentleness. So it is not in the, in the attitude of, aha! I got you, or aha, I knew I was better than you all along, or an attitude of judgment, but rather, it's like, you know what? So you weren't in the Spirit, and so you sin, and there's some some consequences here. But I'm just telling you, there's hope for you. Jesus has come for you to help. And then you'll also see it's not only gentleness, But there's some humility here. Look at the last part of verse 1. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I remember when we served in Michigan, we had a group of deacons, and one of those deacons had one of the evangelists over for lunch one night, and the evangelist was was sharing about about another man that served in ministry that had got caught up in sin. And as a result, was disqualified from ministry. And our deacon at the church said, I am so ticked off at him. What's the matter with that guy? And the evangelist said to our deacon, listen, you have no idea the level of temptation that that man has in ministry. 
And before you get judgmental of him, you got to be careful because the very same thing could happen to you or I. So when we're considering restoring another person, just be mindful of your own spiritual life. Are you always in the Spirit? Are you always in step with the Spirit? Today you might be helping restore someone, but next week you might be in need of restoration. And you want to have that gentleness and that humility that you will hope that person would show towards you. So there's a gentleness with this. There's a humility. And then let's just be really honest. There's a burden. Look what it says here in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's just be real honest here. Restoring another will require time and work. The word burden here is a very heavy weight. As we've gone through this uh, firewood season at our home, there certainly have been times where I've been outside getting ready to, for firewood for this burning season, and I had a log or I had a, a piece of a tree that was so heavy for me that I needed to call in the heavyweights, my boys, and said, would you please help me roll this over because this is too heavy for me to bear by myself. And here's the point. And let's, let's just be honest here. Within a church, every church, there's going to be people who get caught in transgressions. They're not walking in the Spirit and they get hung up. And so they confess their sins. They they confess it to one another. But it's very possible that they're caught and they don't know how to get out of it. So those of you who are walking in the Spirit, maybe you have experienced the same temptation and sin yourself. I'm just here to tell you it's going to take some time and effort because they're in something that's too heavy for them. And so one of the ways that God is going to show kindness to them is by using you. And so let him use you. That might be, how did we get into this situation? Can you tell me what happened? Oh, you were no longer in the Scriptures. You had forsaken gathering together for weekly worship. Your sensitivity towards sin had been dulled. Oh, we can learn from that. Why don't, why don't we just take, make some notes here? I want to tell you something. I'm committed to you. I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to contact you daily to ensure that you are not left by yourself. I want to restore. I want to be a part of that restoration. Would you allow me to be a part of that? Look what it says here in verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, there's some people that will see a fallen man, fallen woman, a young person. And they're like, man, I don't want that. I'm, I'm here just to kind of go to church. I've got enough issues of my own. I don't want to get involved there. But I just want you to see what the Scripture says, that this is a portrait of the life and the Spirit. It's a cross, like the red cross that you would see up at a hospital that we are called to help restore. This week it may be one person, next week it might be you in need of it. 
As we were driving down the street this last week, I was with my wife, and I looked up at another hospital that is popping up or another clinic. I'm like, honey, these things are popping up all over the place. And they're not your mom and dad's hospital anymore. These are some masterpieces of architecture. Would you imagine that you had a heart attack or at least some significant chest pain? And by God's grace, there was a loved one that drove you to the emergency room to one of these brand new hospitals. And as you walked into the emergency room, you said, I believe I'm having a heart attack. This is very serious. And if you don't do something about this, I'm afraid I'm going to die. And as you're saying something, another man comes in beside you and he's got blood all over his forehead because he was just in an auto accident. And there's a rag that he's holding up, but that rag is just drenched in blood. And he says, I too, I am losing blood. I need someone to help me. I'm afraid I might lose my life. And the people at this hospital, walking behind the counter of the emergency, says to you, listen, we're not one of those hospitals. We're here where we talk about helping people with their problems. But what we really want to do is maintain a nice building And if we allow you to come in, you know what? You're going to make a mess here. Why don't we send you to another place? Isn't that ridiculous? But there are people hurting all around us. And God has called us. I'm just reading the verses for you, loved ones. This is what we are called to do. If we are in the Spirit, He is going to give us a sensitivity to people who are hurting And we have the opportunity to be a part of his redeeming work of coming alongside and and doing the work and doing some of that time with them. As we look a little bit further, it says here in verse 4, but let each of you test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone. And in this, his neighbor, verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. As we're thinking about people that might be hurting right now, the Spirit-filled life also considers our own life. And just as there might be someone who has a burden right now that is more than they can bear, we're being called to consider our own load that God has given to us. Now, these are two different words. The word burden that we just covered is, is something more than one person can bear. But the word load that we see here in verse 6 is a much more manageable one. In fact, someone has described it as a, as a backpack. Do You see, every single Christian, those who are in the Spirit, have a load that they carry. And God has assigned it. And my load is different than yours. My, my responsibilities are different than yours. And what you need to do is be faithful And be a good steward of the load that he has given to you because one day you will face God in judgment. And you'll open up that backpack and you'll say, well, what did you do with the load that I gave to you? So there's been two portraits that we've covered this morning. We covered walking in the Spirit. We covered this red cross of the opportunity to help restore another person. And if you look there, At verse 6, it says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. This is a, a reference to a relationship. The one who has been restored is to be a blessing to the one who has helped him. 
And now let us consider the, the third portrait of the life in the Spirit, and that is sowing and reaping. Look what it says here in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also weep. What does it look like to have a life in the Spirit? The third portrait that we see in our passage this morning is a life of a farmer that is consistently planting seeds. And whatever seed you plant, you will harvest that. There's two different choices according to verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now oftentimes when we hear these two words, eternal life, we think of the quantity of life. But so often in the New Testament, the words eternal and life are not so much the quantity, but the quality of life. The life in the Spirit is about the day-to-day, choice-by-choice, choosing of God's way rather than our way. And we are assured that there will be a harvest on those seeds. So what, what does it look like to sow seeds in your own strength, in your own flesh? An author helped outline some of those. We sow seeds in the flesh when we harbor a grudge, when we nurse a grievance, when we entertain an impure fantasy, when we wallow in self-pity, when we linger with bad company, when we lie in bed in laziness rather than begin our day with the Word or, or getting to work, when we look at pornography. Well, what does it look like to sow in the Spirit? We do this when we are seeking His influence and rule of our life. When we are walking in the Spirit, when we are allowing the Word of Christ to dwell within us, when we are abiding in Christ, when we are reading godly books, when we are listening to gospel-centered radio or podcasts, when we are worshiping with God's people, when we are disciplining ourselves in time for the Word and prayer. So as we see this, there is this principle There is this practice of sowing the seeds. And then there is this patience. Look at what it says in verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I believe there are some people here this morning, whether online or here this morning in person, that you have been faithfully sowing the seeds of the Spirit and you find yourself weary today. I kind of take some encouragement from that, that, that Paul is saying, don't be weary. It implies that people can walk in the Spirit and, and they can start to get weary because they're like, I've been sowing and planting these seeds so faithfully for so long, but I'm not reaping the harvest. And we're reminded here again. He says, For in due season, 
we will reap if we do not give up. So don't give up. Have the long view in mind. Trust the words of the Scripture. You might not see the harvest right now, but continue. Continue to sow the seeds of the Spirit in your life. And you can trust the Word of God in due season. You will have a harvest. And then a a wonderful summary here in verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Spirit-filled life is a life that prioritizes the relationship with God, but it's also about others, others, others. When Roman finished last Sunday, I came up before I did announcements. I said, there's going to be some great opportunities for us this coming week. To, to, to crucify our flesh by, by loving others, to be inconvenienced for them. I wonder what opportunities came your way this past week. And if you hadn't focused on that, you have another opportunity this coming week. God wants to do this in our lives. He wants to work this out. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to be about restoring others, and we want to be faithful to planting these Spirit seeds. As we get ready for the Lord's Supper, why don't we have a word of prayer? I'll have the music team come. We'll sing a song, and I'll let you just kind of prepare your own heart for this as we sing. If you want to sing, you can. If you want to pray, you can. Why don't you join me as we close out this message? Our Father, what a magnificent idea here that you have sent your Son and His Spirit to take up residence in our life. So He can use our hands and our feet. He can use our eyes and our tongue. He could could allow the Scriptures in our mind to come at an opportune time and we can carry out what He would want us to do just using our, our feet, our hands, our words. We thank You for this. Thank You for these different portraits that we saw there could be some conflict there. There's going to be some fruit evidenced in our life. There's going to be a a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, walking in step with the Spirit. There's going to be the privilege of coming alongside and helping restore another person. And then there's going to be this this long road of, of sowing seeds. Sowing seeds, knowing that in time there will be a harvest. Thank you for this collection of photos for us to consider today. Help us to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen.